Have you ever had a goal that just seemed impossible? If so, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Notable Peeps podcast, a series that gives attention to remarkable people who are putting on their shoes, doing their best, and believing in the impossible. All my dreams are coming true. Steph here. Welcome to the 50th episode of the Notable Peeps podcast. This is such an accomplishment for me and such a milestone. And I am so excited for you guys to learn about my guest today, Andrea Bergeson. She's one of the most influential people in my life. Before I share that interview with you, I wanted to take a little time to reflect about this podcast. Stephen Kellogg, he talks about how the moment you put a deadline on your dream, it becomes a goal. And four years ago, I finished my 30 life crisis in Alaska, came home, and I had this dream to start a podcast. Did I know how to do it? No. I had no clue. But I researched what equipment to get and bought the equipment. Did I know how to use it? No. <laughs> and I sat on it. And, and this principle really became true when I started to put a deadline on it, when I scheduled my first interview with my friend Jill Young, she was my guinea pig. And I had no clue that I needed to format the SD card before I did an interview. And I almost lost that whole interview, which I felt terrible if it wasn't for my technology whiz brother Sterling to save it for me. And then after Jill, I was like, okay, I need to schedule other interviews. And so I just emailed people, emailed people that I thought were pretty impressive that I wanted to hear more of their story. Mina was my first guest and I was so nervous. I had never met her before. I had no clue how to interview. With Jill, she was my friend, you know, but like this was some stranger. And then I had Tim Hurst right after that. And then my first phone interview was the same day with Steven and Holly, and I had no clue how to do a phone interview. But as I started to put these deadlines on this dream, I started to progress. And then I had nine interviews recorded and I had learned how to edit, but I still didn't feel like they were good enough to put out there until I listened to the Ticked podcast. And I've shared this before, and I've talked to Ben and Lieb, the hosts of the Ticked podcast back in the day, and told them about how it was this one episode that I heard their transitions and I could hear their edits. And I've never heard it since or never before. I felt like that one episode was for me because I heard their imperfections and that gave me the courage to put out this content. I look at that and as I look at this episode that I recorded, it was during COVID, early April. I, you know, everyone's at home and my roommates were being loud. So I recorded this in my car. And for my 50th episode, I wanted this to be professional. I wanted to showcase, you know, my skills as a podcaster. But there's a section of it that's buzzing. And part of me was like, oh, should I just cut it out? And then I thought back to ticked. And so I hope listening to my imperfections will give you the courage to try. And maybe it's starting your own podcast. Maybe it's just tr trying whatever your impossible crazy goal is to just put a deadline on it to just start. And I was telling my sister Kayla this and she's like, Steph, and now you do this for a living. And I, I don't know why I didn't even think about that, but I was like, it's true. My job title is podcast producer. My full-time job is producing a real estate podcast where I interview experts in the real estate community. 
And then I have a business, Revenus Audio, that I get to interview people and talk about their life stories. And so this podcast has changed my life, not only from all these interviews, as I listen to these people's stories, I learn something every time, but also it's changed my life because it's given me a whole new career. I can't imagine what my life would be like without podcasting. I'm gonna stop gabbing and play this episode, but thank you for listening to Notable Peeps. And thanks for just supporting me in this dream that now has become my passion. Today is our 50th episode. So exciting. And for the 50th, I was thinking about a person that's influenced my life, greatly impacted. And I, I thought of a dear friend of mine, Andrea Hymas Bergeson. Hello, Andrea. Hi. Hi. I just like, you're going to hear me call her Hymas a lot um, because we served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Kirtland, Ohio. And oftentimes as missionaries, you're referred to as your last name. So I was Sister Shoal and she was Sister Hymas. And so it just sticks. Sometimes I just call you Hymas, but I'm going to try to call you Andrea for this podcast. Oh my gosh. I don't think I've ever called you Steph. So <laughs> you're always going to be shoe double L's me. Shoal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm still Hymas. It's all good. <laughs> I just want to brag about you of why and just sort of talk about how you've impacted my life. So like, you were my first missionary companion. And so we call that trainers out in the mission field. And I just remember, I mean, I am so nervous because I don't really know. I'm not a scriptorian. I don't know how to really talk to people about spiritual things. Like I was always a social person, but talking about spiritual things was so hard for me. And so I remember getting to the mission, meeting you, and you were just like this breath of fresh air. You had this bright turquoise coat on, this pink <laughs> eyeshadow, like all this color where at the time, like I brought all like black missionary clothes. And I was like, yes, I can wear color, you know? The biggest thing that I took away from you on the mission, and this might be like an episode that we get super spiritual because... That's how we met, you know, like, so I can be a little bit more churchy. But but the big thing I took out from you is you always said that the Book of Mormon is the best self-help book out there. And I just saw that from your example. Like, you are someone that you genuinely love people and you genuinely love life. And I mean, yeah, you have your rough days and whatnot, but like... I like you just set the tone for my mission and just I just have so much love and and gratitude that we met at this time and got to spend three months together and and that was almost 10 years ago oh my gosh it really was it was 10 years ago yeah like we were together 10 years ago. oh yeah I guess at this time yeah it was 10 years ago Yeah. yeah because I was getting ready to come home oh my gosh well I just feel the same way about you I those were like some of the most special months of my mission and of course it was like towards the end so everything was just rosy at that point and I was there was like so much reflection going on and then you came out and we just had the best time together I just remember loving going out and talking to people and we both loved people and it was just fun it was a time where like talking about spiritual things was just really fun. And I loved that. And I loved, I just loved being with you and being your companion. And you were just such 
dear, dear friend. And I'm just so glad that we've like reconnected after all these years. It's crazy. I actually wasn't recording at the beginning. We talked about how like it's been, we haven't talked in like five years. And so there's a lot. (laughs) Which is so sad. (laughs) Yeah. Like time just goes by, you know, and like, so we're sort of reconnecting on this. I'm going to be asking a lot about your life and just getting to know. And you had said, thanks for interviewing me, but I don't know if I have anything that's like notable about my life I'm like whatever your whole life like just the person that you are you just are one of those people that other people want to be better being in your presence that like sums you you up so nice it's the truth you are so nice so wow thank you I appreciate that I really do (laughs) so let's just you know I mean one of my favorite questions to ask people is tell me your life story so let's just start there do you want to tell us a little bit about your life story yeah oh my gosh how long do you want me to I could talk for hours okay I'll keep this brief though um (laughs) my life story gosh I don't even know where to start so I grew up in Utah I was the oldest of five kids. I had a really idyllic childhood. I just look back and feel like I just was like a lucky kid. Like I had a lot of good opportunities. My parents gave me like every opportunity to go and be and do what, what I wanted to do and become. And that was really critical for me. I, gosh, I went to BYU. I graduated from BYU in marketing and advertising And I had always had a dream of moving to New York, living in New York and working there. And I had done a lot of traveling in college and did study abroad and stuff like that. And I just love, I love adventure and I still do. But at that time in my life, I was so untethered and I wasn't married and I didn't have kids and I could just kind of like the world was my oyster. And so I remember after college graduation, I moved to New York. I lived in the city and I worked there and it was everything that I had dreamed of. Like it was exactly what I'd been working for for so long. And I still loved the idea of it, but I got there and I was like, I don't think this is what I want. (laughs) (laughs) When I left, I was just like, peace out. I'm never coming back. I'm a city girl, whatever. And I got there and I was there for a few months and I was just like, yeah, I don't think this is like my end goal, like the end game, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was a little bit confused, but I, um, so I'd done an internship and they'd offered me a full-time job and I was just like, you know what, I need to take some time off and like go think about it. I had some vacations planned. So I went home, um, back to Utah for the summer and I was sort of just deciding what to do with my life. And I had never really wanted to serve a mission. You probably remember it was not in my plan. <laughs> at all and I just I don't know I just felt really stuck and I just didn't I don't know I'd interviewed for several jobs and nothing was kind of working out and not that it wasn't working out I just didn't feel great about anything I just couldn't pinpoint what I was supposed to do with my life anyway long story short I had a brother a little brother on a mission at the time and he wrote me a letter one day and he was like I just felt really inspired to you know ask you have you ever prayed about going on a mission And I got the letter and I kind of chuckled. It was like, what? No. Because I had definitely thought about it and definitely decided that, no, I didn't want to. For whatever reason, I think my heart was really humbled at the time and I was trying to figure out my life. And so I was like, you know what? 
I'll pray about it. But this is the last time that I'm ever going to pray about going on a mission because I don't want to. Like, I have other plans for my life. And so I got down out of my knees that night. And I it was one of the most spiritual experiences that I've ever had to date, really. And I just had this really sacred experience. And it scared me half to death. But I knew that I was supposed to go on a mission, like, right then. And... I kind of ignored it. I went to bed. I was like, no way. And I went to bed. And then the next day I had a job interview at an ad agency in Salt Lake. And I was interviewing with the guy and I, I didn't know if he was religious. Like I knew nothing about, you know, him. And he paused midway through the interview. And he's like, I'm sorry, but I just really feel like I need to ask you, have you ever thought about going on a mission? <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah, especially um, in a job so anyway, interview. <laughs> right? Like, it was so weird. And he got teary. And he, I mean, I, yeah, it was just bizarre. And I got to my car and I was like, okay. Like, there were, I could just tell you so many things that happened in that week where I was like, all right, I guess I'm going on a mission. And my parents were shocked. I came home and I was like, my dad's like, have you decided what job you're going to take? What city you're going to live in? And I was like, actually... I'm going on a mission. My parents were floored. I mean, it was just so crazy, but I don't know. And it's funny that I'm going back to that for this interview. I think you've just got gotten me thinking a lot about my mission. Anyway, so I put my mission papers in. I went on my mission and I loved it. It was just exactly what I needed. And I just feel like it was such a great 18 months of creating a foundation for the rest of my life. I don't even know like how many people I'd say that I really helped or even like brought to Christ, but I brought myself to Christ. And I feel like in those 18 months, just to focus on like service and other people and hard work and gaining, you know, a testimony and gaining a more of a love for God and his children. I just, and for the Book of Mormon, I just look at that time in my life and that was so instrumental in just the foundation for the rest of my life. I served my mission and, and then the crazy part is I met my husband on our mission and we ended up getting married. We didn't like each other on the mission, but you know, I respected him and then we got home and we just kind of, I yeah, mean, again, you just got home. Kind of, did you go home at the same time or was we it? We went home at the same time. Okay. Yeah. We went home at the same time. And again, like I never thought I'd see him again. He was from Idaho. I was done with school. There, We just didn't really have a reason that we would have run into each other. And but, you were um, a little bit older too than. Yeah. So I'm almost three years older than him. And I had a boyfriend at home. I mean, it was just like kind of funny how it all happened. You're only but, three um, years older than him. At the time, it felt like we were so much older than the elders, but it was only three <laughs> yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, it's only almost three. I joke. It's like two years and uh, 11 months. That's so funny. <laughs> so, almost three. Because me and you yeah, were like, we both so, went out later, so we were like the same age with the elders. And, exactly. And yeah. so, yeah, like, but I'm looking at that, I'm like, oh, we weren't that much older than <laughs> <laughs> three years well away. it just felt like we were way older I mean yeah. so I was 20 I went home on my 24th birthday so mm-hmm. it just felt like you know 24 is quite a bit older than 21 but yeah. anyway it's just funny how we got together and but I really look back and I feel like my mission was so instrumental for me in so many ways and one of those was just I, it's where I met my husband we never would have met anywhere else 
I mean, our paths never would have crossed. That was, you know, another blessing for sure of, of listening and acting and just and doing it and going. So, mm-hmm. so we got married. Um, we've been married just over 10 years now. <laughs> I know. We, so we got Cause, married. Because I remember you sent me pictures of it because I was still on my mission and you sent me all these pictures yeah. of your wedding and it was <laughs> so cute. But I'm like, yeah, hey, that's mean, right. It is 10 wild. years. Yeah. It's been 10 years. Yeah. So we we got married December of 09. Yeah. So um, anyway, we spent our first, what, five years, I guess, in Salt Lake area in Utah, and then we um, moved to Washington, D.C. We lived there for a year um, for my husband's schooling, and then we moved to Richmond, Virginia, and we lived there for three years, and then we just moved back to Utah about six months ago. Yeah, and I mean, it was all wonderful. We loved the East Coast. We thought we were going to be there forever. To be honest, we bought our house in Richmond and we renovated the whole thing. And I mean, we, we were living like what we felt like was our perfect, you know, dream life back there. And then another opportunity came and we just really felt again, it was kind of like, I felt when I needed to go on my mission, it was just such this strong pull, like you've got to do this. So we sold our house, like it just happened so fast, but we sold our house and we moved back and kind of never looked back and it's been it's been really great but um and we have four kids I should have said that before we have four (laughs) kids my oldest James is seven he'll be eight next month and then I have little girl Libby she just turned six Sam will be four in June and then I have a 18 month old Viola anyway that's kind of our like a very brief intro of kind of our life right now it's just really busy and lot I mean it's just always crazy but I'm really really happy well, and one thing I love about you is you are one of the most, like, genuine, real people. Like, you're always so great to talk to because you you are. Like, you just, like, you love people and you have, like, this glass half-full mentality and it's just... But it's true. And so I, I'm just going to ask you some follow-up questions about your life. Do you want to tell me about a time that, that maybe, like, things didn't go according to plan or that that was, like, a hard trial that you overcame and how you overcame it because like this podcast is all about people believing in that they're impossible and I remember really on the mission just the mentality of okay all I need to do is put on my shoes and go out the door and some days I'm going out the door and I'm like hey like talking to people and some days it's just good that I'm out the door I hate it like yeah you know and so I love that Yeah, for sure. One of the hardest times I have had looking back, because you're right, I'm like a really positive person. I just feel like I typically it's pretty easy for me to just see the sunny side and look at life through rose-colored glasses. And But there was one time that in my life where, I mean, that was really, really difficult for me. It was right after my second baby was born. And I think... Looking back now, I definitely had postpartum, um, mm-hmm. not depression, but more like anxiety and postpartum OCD a little bit. And it just like knocked 
me down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't even know. I, I mean, I just sort of like had a really great handle on my life up to that point. Like I had always been able to set goals and accomplish them. And I'd been really successful in like everything I tried to do. I just felt like, I don't know, I had it all together. Right. And then I was 29 and I had my second baby and it just sent me on a tailspin. And I look back and I, it was just a really dark time. And, you know, after my first baby, I'd been great. I mean, I'd had like no issues. I was just like so happy and I have a baby and it was mm-hmm. wonderful. And But then with, yeah, with the second, it just was really hard. And it took me several months to realize that like something was wrong. But I just, how do I even describe it? I just didn't feel like myself. I just, and I'd never experienced anxiety before really or I I just had like I was just bombarded with all of these feelings and emotions I hadn't really felt before and my my way of coping with it at the time I just thought like okay I gotta keep going like so I was working out like two times a day and my house was always perfect and I kind of like turned crazy and I'd like go shopping all the time and I had like a new outfit every single day for my baby and I was posting pictures of her on Instagram every day and I you know trying to get super skinny again and I just like felt out of control and I was trying so hard to control things in ways that I could cleaning my countertops you know 45 times a day or whatever and Anyway, I wasn't sleeping. She was a really hard baby. So looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I know I had a lot of hormonal problems. And then also lack of sleep is huge for me. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I just felt like a total mess. And I was, and I just didn't know what was wrong. And we, it kind of came to a head when we, we were on a family vacation in San Diego. And I just experienced all this anxiety. And I was like, I do not know what happened to my life. Like, where did Andrea go? Like, it was really the darkest time ever that I've probably ever experienced. And um, so I guess how I got out of that, it took a long time, to be honest. And I just remember um, feeling, I guess, first of all, I just had to really become my own advocate. And, you know, I saw therapists. I, I went to different doctors to see what was wrong and I read self-help books and I whatever and I just had to like have faith that things would get better and to be honest it didn't come overnight it it took about a year and a half before I felt like me again and but and during the time it was so dark and so scary and so lonely but I look at the things I learned from that and I wouldn't trade it as horrible as it was like I learned so much about myself and I learned that I was strong like I could do hard things and I hadn't ever done anything that scary and that hard before and that was really hard and I learned compassion I feel like after going through something like that I am so much more empathetic towards anyone after having a baby or not having a baby that has any sort of you know, emotional challenges. Like I get it. And it was hard. So that was a big thing. I think I learned how to have faith. Like when things aren't going the way you want it to go. And when you're 
hoping and praying for things to be a certain way and they're not, that's when I really learned what faith was. When the answer was not yet or hang on, that was, you know, that was challenging. And I think it challenged me, but it also changed me for the better. And I look back and yeah, I mean, I, I grew a lot. And I think coming out of that, it just gave me confidence. Like, okay, I can do hard things and I can advocate for myself and I'm a better person because of the struggles that I've had. Yeah, and hearing you talk about that, I think that a lot of times, you know, I've heard a lot of people going through postpartum stuff or anything where it's just mentally you feel beat Mm -hmm. down. It's so hard because it's not like this tangible thing that you can see or I don't know. It just is. And like you said, it wasn't instantly that you got better. Like a year and a half is a long time to deal with that darkness and to deal with that anxiety and that like feeling like you have to control everything. So you're trying to make yourself perfect. Mm -hmm. And right. Yeah, and it's just and exhausting. And it also, like, looking back, I just think it was humbling for me. Like, I just, like I said before, I'd never gone through anything where I just felt like I couldn't fix it, you know, mm-hmm. automatic. Like, I was a fixer. I was good at solutions. If there was a problem, I was really good at finding a solution and fixing it and changing it. And, and that was the first time in my life where I felt like no matter how hard I tried, no matter how hard I prayed, it wasn't immediate. The answer, it wasn't like a a band-aid approach where like, oh, just do this and it's better all of a sudden. It it wasn't. But I think there was like a lot of beauty and growth in the fact that it wasn't, that I had to kind of hang on. And even like, I look at um, my marriage, you know, we'd always had a great marriage up until that point. We'd been married about five years. But then, and we'd always, you know, been able to give like 50-50. I felt like I was always, able to pull my weight and things were great. But then when you get in a situation where like, I feel like for a good, I mean, year or so, like I was probably giving like 10%. I mean, I just couldn't give any more. I was just, you know, kind of broken and trying to figure myself out. And my husband really stepped up and that was a game changer for our marriage, even for me to be like, Oh my gosh, this man loves me. Even when I'm broken and I'm at my worst and I'm just trying to get by and survive. And he picked up the slack, you know, and, and he was there for me. So it just taught me so much about unconditional love too. And how that, you know, our marriage as hard as that was, like, I think our relationship got even stronger from that. And then later on when my husband was, in the middle of a really crazy, strenuous graduate program. And he was, you know, kind of like at the end of his rope, I was able to give more and, and he was probably putting less in and I was giving more. And I think I kind of just learned to, one of the most beautiful parts about marriage and relationships is like, it's not always 50, 50, but real love, you're going to give everything you can. And when someone can't give everything, you're going to pick up their slack. And that was a really awesome part about that experience for us too, I think. And hearing you talk about that, I mean, like since it is something postpartum that people go through, what's your advice to someone if they're in that situation of how to like, sort of see that light at the end of the tunnel well I just think I don't know I've always been super open about it I think it's one of those things society is talking about it more which I think is really important because I I mean I had it for five months and I had no idea 
And because no one had ever talked to me about it. I'd never had like anyone close to me that had gone through that. I just, I just didn't know what was happening. And so I'm very pro talk about it. I will shout it from the rooftops. You know, this can happen to people and you don't have to have a history of, you know, mental illness or whatever. So I think talking is huge. And I just think, I guess my best advice would be, you know, be an advocate for yourself. And if you can't have someone close to you that you trust, that you say like, listen, I can't, I'm not in a mental position right now to advocate for myself, but I need you to do it for me. And so for me, that looked a lot like seeking help. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I love that you remember me saying the Book of Mormons is the best self-help book. Like I've always been really into self-help and, mm-hmm. you know, drawn to things like that. And so for me, that was sort of an obvious thing that was really easy for me to, to pick up the phone and like find a therapist. So I think therapy is awesome. I think medication is great. I tried medication and it just didn't really work for me. Um, my doctor ended up saying like, you know what? I just don't think this is good for you. So that it wasn't something that helped me, but I know it helps a lot of people. And so I just think being proactive and getting help and not waiting for it to go away, but, but you know, getting the help you need so that you can get back to your old self. And for me, that looked a lot like exercise was really important. Like I said, therapy, um, taking time for yourself, sleep. I mean, a lot of them are like the textbook answers, but they really do help and they really do work. But I think just especially with postpartum, like having a new baby, you're just so worried about you know, taking care of this child and if you have other children or, you know, your household and you just want to take care of everyone else. But I think it's really important to take care of yourself because if you take care of yourself, then you're going to be well enough to take care of everyone else. And that was a lesson I learned with my second baby that I did it different on my third and fourth. And my experiences were much different because I took time for myself, like way more. And I just took time to, I think society in general, American culture we live in is sort of like, oh, you had a baby a week ago. You should be back in your size zero jeans and you should be going back to the gym and you should, you know, be living your normal busy life. You had a baby a week ago. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you back to normal? And that was kind of the mentality I had with my second. And I truly believe that a big part of the reason why I had such a hard time and had the postpartum stuff with her is I just did not give my body and my mind enough space and time to heal from what it had been through. And with my third and fourth, I did. And not to say that, you know, if you're really careful, you're not going to get postpartum because I think it's a chemical thing as well. But I do think it really helps to really nurture and take care of yourself. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So I was just thinking, we wouldn't be good missionaries if we didn't talk about what the Book of Mormon is <laughs> and why it's the best self-help yes. book. So do you want to explain a little bit about that? I mean, for people that are know what it is or that yeah. haven't heard of it before. Yeah, so like I said, I love self-help. <laughs> and I've read so many books and listen to so many podcasts and I love I just love this idea as 
a human that we're placed on this earth to learn and to grow and to achieve and to become. And so anytime I can get my hands on anything that I feel like is going to help me improve as a person and help me develop character traits or skills, like I'm all about it. I just love learning and improving myself. And so, so anyway, I do love self-help. I think it's great, but, um, I, I do still believe that the Book of Mormon is the best self-help book out there. And I've read it, gosh, dozens of times. And every time I read it, I come away learning different things. And it's funny, I feel like whatever stage of my life I'm in, it's, I find things that are applicable to that stage. And I believe the reason why it's the best self-help book out there is because it's a book about Jesus Christ. And it's a book that teaches you how to become more like him and to get closer to him and to be more in tune with God and to see things from a fresh perspective and to see things clearly and to notice God's hand and to notice his miracles. And I mean, I love it. I just, I have such a special place in my heart for the Book of Mormon because it's often where I found answers to questions that I've had or, or just peace, just, you know, feelings of like, okay, this is, life is happening. I mean, the coronavirus is the perfect example. Like life can be hard and life can be difficult and decisions can be hard. And, but I just feel like this book has, when I'm reading it every day and I go through phases where I don't and that kind of ebbs and flows for me. But I found when I'm reading it every day, even if it's like 10 minutes a day, my life just goes better and I just show up better and I show up differently as a mom. I show up as a better wife. I just show up as a better person. And I just truly believe that a big part of that is from the spirit that comes into my life when I'm reading that book. I mean, it sounds crazy if you haven't read it, but I truly believe it's almost like magic. It just, brings this um, spirit of goodness and beauty and abundance into your life that you can't replicate. Honestly, I feel like you taught me this foundation that the Book of Mormon is the best self help book. And, I, and after my mission, I remember applying this. But I think that, like, whatever situation it is, I can turn to that. You know, if I, my heart's broken, you know, like, I, I can turn to that and see uh-huh. the heartbreak that that people have, you know, and, and, and I mean, different heartbreak, you know, like where like their children are <laughs> not believing in their same faith or whatever, you know, it's not always like romantic, uh-huh. but like we all, I, and, and just like what you said, it just points back to like Christ that he, he knows us individually. And so for me, when I read it, it helps me to remember who I really am and to be in my spirit. And, and then, so like what I you said, with it being like magic, it, but it, it just gives that clear remembrance of what's really important. Yeah. God cares about everything in our lives. Like whether it is going to mm-hmm. a party and being social or, you know, overcoming depression or anxiety or whatever it might be, like he cares yeah. about everything. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I love that. And I think you're, I love that. It, it just does bring like clarity, I think is probably a better way of saying it than like magic, but it feels like magic. It just feels like it's so simple, right? Like I, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, it's 10 minutes of my day. If I sit down for 10 minutes 
it's amazing how exponentially better the rest of my day goes. And I know it's just because I'm like reminded of who I am and what my purpose is and that I have a savior and that I have a loving father in heaven. And that like, it's just so grounding, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's this identity. it, It just reminds you like, Oh, there's so much more to this life than, than me. It's like when I go to the beach, I love going to the beach and I love standing right in the ocean with the waves coming up. And I love being able to look to both sides of me and in front of me and like seeing, you know, very little people. And it's just like this, it's always this spiritual experience for me where it's like such a great reminder that I'm, I'm part of something so much bigger than just myself and that I'm just this little tiny piece. But but I'm a significant piece, right? And that's kind of the way I feel when I read the Book of Mormon. It's like I am just this one human, you know, in in this earth of billions of people. Yet I can have this connection with my God that, and I know that He's listening, and I know that He knows my name, and He knows my situation, and He knows my struggles, and that. That brings me so much peace and confidence just to go through my daily walk of life, knowing that, you know, he's got my back. And and I'm reminded of that when I read the Book of Mormon. Yeah. I'm like hearing you talk, I'm like, oh, it just freaks me back to the like being missionaries together because I mean that's what we were doing all the time. We were talking about Christ, but then we also had so much fun because I remember you would like I would walk up the stairs and you'd be like, Sister Shaw, how are you doing? You had your little song for me. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that till just now. Yes. <laughs> I do so funny yeah you are someone that like you just are happy like you have this genuine happiness around you and it's like it makes life more fun so (laughs) you're sweet I do I just believe though like life is to be enjoyed right and like I just remember my mission and I think part of the reason why I wasn't like super stoked about going on a mission is I just thought like, Oh, that's so boring. You know, like I had a testimony and I loved God and Christ and I believed all these things, but I was just like, that's so boring. And then it was such a breath of fresh air for me when I went on my mission to be like, Oh, you can still like be a person with a personality and you can still be yourself and talk about spiritual things with people. And I think that has been a great thing in my life too, just post mission even. Like I have so many friends that don't necessarily believe the same things that I do, but we, it's been so great to be able to talk freely and openly about our beliefs and we always find common ground. And it's, I just think it's really blessed my life to be able to talk about spirituality so openly and, you know, and to, and to then learn from friends who believe different things too. Like, I just think there's a lot of beauty in talking about God and talking about Christ and talking about some of the things that, you know, seem a little bit awkward at first, but I think that's where true connection with people really comes is when you're willing to be vulnerable and get deep and, and be okay that you may believe different things, too. No, that's a great point. It is nice to be able to 
talk freely, even if you don't believe the same thing. I think like nowadays we live in such a like a politically correct day that like people are so afraid to say what they really think. And if you aren't, I mean, if you aren't being derogatory towards people, I think that it's great (laughs) to hear Uh about people's beliefs and and different things. Like I worked at a Jewish synagogue for a little bit and (laughs) and that was like fascinating to learn about their beliefs, you know, and to find that common ground. So we, so we lived in the South. Richmond is like pretty Southern and there's a different, you know, church on every corner and people go to church and they believe in God. And it's like, it, it was such a great community to live in, but I loved it because, you know, one of my very closest friends was, I don't even know what she was. was, (laughs) She went to a Presbyterian church, but I don't think she identified as that. But part of the Southern culture is people just talk about God and it's Mm -hmm. like not weird. And you talk about God and the miracles you see. And it was such a beautiful thing for us to live there and to, you know, raise our kids there when they were little. I mean, they're still little, but we were there for a few years and I, I loved that. And I, when I left, I was like, okay, one of the things I want to take away from this, we can talk about God and we can talk about Jesus Christ and we're not offending people and we're not going to be offended if people don't believe the same things. But I, but I just love the openness in that culture of, of God. When you learn about people's beliefs, it helps you to understand them more to gain that, yeah, for that sure. perspective. So what else did you love about living in back East with your family? It was such a great experience for us. We, I mean, we both, we, my husband's from Idaho. I'm from Utah. We've got a lot of family out West. And so for us moving to the East coast, we had essentially no family there. Um, I had a cousin that lived a couple hours away, but then they moved too. So we're pretty much alone and it was the best thing we could have ever done though. It was so great for us and for our marriage. I just felt like, I love, so I love the show Grey's Anatomy. I used to. I I mean, they're going on like 15 seasons or something. <laughs> but anyway, one of this, I kind of I kind of lost track of things a couple years ago, but I used to really love it. And there was this doctor who, what, her best friend was, she had this other doctor that was her best friend. And the line of the show is that this best friend of hers was her person. Right. And it was like, you have a person. Oh, and yeah. so I remember Christina was her person. That? Yeah. Yes. Christina was Meredith's person. And so I remember truly, this is kind of funny. I mean, I think we were like on the flight out <laughs> to Washington, D.C. And I leaned over to my husband and I'm like, you have to be my person now. And he was like, I am your person. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I was like, you are one of my people, but my mom is also one of my people and my sister and my girlfriend, this girlfriend and this girlfriend. Anyway, Mike, my husband, he became my one and only person when we lived far away. And not that my relationship with my mom or my sister or those friends lessened in any way, but our, my relationship with my husband just became deeper than it had been. And he joked about it. Like he was so offended that I'm like, you have to be my person now, but I was being serious. He thought I was joking. But so anyway, living, you know, doing that for 
four years on our own was the best thing we could have done. And I just feel like it sort of solidified us and our own little family and our marriage. So that was a huge part of it. We loved living on the East Coast just because we got to see everything. And we are just so adventurous by nature that, you know, I had a list of all the things we wanted to do and see. And we just checked those off our list left and right. And anytime we had free time, we'd go and see and do and so that was fun. That's something I really missed. Just everything was so accessible all the time. It was so easy to hop on, you know, hop in your car and drive for five hours and you've gone through three states and yeah. seen all these cool things. And so that was really great. Um, trying to think what else. I mean, just the whole experience. We So we lived in D.C. in the beginning and then we moved to Richmond and Richmond was so great for us. So we moved out to the East Coast right after. So my daughter, my child, the one I had had postpartum with, she had just turned a year old when we moved back to D.C. And so D.C. was still like, it was a little bit rough. I was like coming out of a lot of darkness, you know? Uh And so then we moved to Richmond and we were only in D.C. for a year and we were in an apartment and we had two little kids and then I had a baby, which was not planned, which was also very scary at that point, (laughs) but it ended up being wonderful he was like such a gift um but he um so we moved to Richmond and I just remember praying like I just need to find like people that I can just learn from and you know that'll kind of fill that hole in our hearts of like being so far away from loved ones and having family and it really Richmond was just like the most beautiful place for us moving was so hard because of the people and I just like our church group, I love being a member of the church there and like the family, I mean, it just felt like a family. And I had, you know, 10 sisters and I had 10 moms and I had just such great relationships that that was, it was so good for me. And I feel like it's in Richmond. I really learned how to be my, like be a mom, like be a mom in Andrea's way, like Mm -hmm. not the way I felt like I needed to be one or what, like my complete, my preconceived notions of what mothers did or how they behaved or what, you know, I just feel like in Richmond, I really learned my own style of mothering and I became confident in that and, and secure in that. And I stopped caring what other people thought as much. And I just decided to, that I was going to be the mom I was going to be. And like, that was enough and I was enough. And so that was a really, really great time for me. Again, I feel like it was foundational in just me learning how to be a mom. And yeah, it was great. <laughs> I love that. Like, so what is Andrea like as a mom? <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrea is an adventure mom. I just, you know, I am not the kind of mom that likes to get on the floor and like, play Legos with my kids or play make believe. Like I'm just not. And I, and to all the moms out there that are kudos to you, it's just not my thing. And I never liked it. I'm not the mom that like sits down and teaches my kids their letters. I let them learn their letters at preschool (laughs) and kindergarten. And I'm okay with that. Like I've just decided like I am, I'm okay. I'm not going to be the mom that, you know, I'm, I'm what else? So I'm an adventure mom. I like going places with my kids. I like doing things. I like giving them experiences. I can have a 
sinks full of dishes at any time. And I really enjoy a clean house. But the more the time goes on, the more I realize it's okay to have a messy house sometimes if it means, you know, you're with your kids and you're having fun. And I think for me, my biggest thing is I just decided one day, you know, at the end of the day, if I can tuck my kids into bed and they know that God loves them and they know that I love them, then I was successful for the day. Like, that's really what I care about. I feel like I do. I feel like they know that. And I'm not, I I guess I'm not as concerned, like, with my first two kids. Probably a big part of the reason why, you know, my life went into a tailspin is I just had so many expectations for myself. Like, this is what a good mom does. And this is what a good mom's house looks like. And it looks perfect all the time. And she's, you know, doing X, Y, and Z with her kids every day. And that just got really old. And it just got, was unattainable for me. And so I just decided, like, I'm going to embrace and celebrate the kind of mother that I am. And I really believe, you know, my kids came to me for a reason. And I, you know, I know we're all going to mess up. Like, our kids are all going to, you know, <laughs> go walk away from us, like, with, you know, things that they're like, oh, why'd you do that? Why'd you do this? But I feel like for the most part, if I'm just really comfortable in, in who I am as a mom now. And that's taken time for sure. But I think a big part of that was for me, instrumental is just, you know, leaving everyone and everything I knew and starting over somewhere. And that, that was huge. I mean, it was such a blessing for my family. It was a blessing for my confidence and the way I you know, view the world. I just think we all came away from that experience so much happier and so much more grounded and just like knowing who we were and being okay with it and being okay with what and who we were. Well, and I look at that too. I'm like, I love that you decided how is best for you to be a mom. You don't love, like, play make-believe. You don't love it, and that's okay. Like, and if that's something that's right. someone's passionate about, but, like, just playing to your your strengths, you know? And, and I yeah. look at that, I'm like, that can be applied to anything in life. Like, you know, that we compare ourselves so much, but mm-hmm. to just, like, let that go and be like, okay, like, I'm going to be the best stuff that I can be. And my yeah. being my best self is different than what other people are doing. And I don't need to compare. Right. You know, it just gives out, like, freedom and to just, like, And how boring would it be if we were all the same kind of mom or all the same kind of person? Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. I look at even my sister. Like, we do things so differently. And her house is always clean. And she's so good at getting on the floor and playing with her kids. And I'm totally not. And I look at her and I'm like, wow, she's such a good mom. And she totally is. And I think she would probably say the same thing about me, you know, but for different reasons. And Mm -hmm. I love that, that there's no one size fits all. And I think that's like one of the biggest things I've learned just, you know, with motherhood and with life in general, we're all doing the best we can and there's no right or wrong way to do it. I just think if you're happy and you're, I think if you're happy and you're working with God and you're in tune with the spirit, like you really can't go wrong. And if you find your true self and you're yourself, like that's all you really need. I like love hearing you talk about 
you as a mom because I mean that's the side of you that I haven't seen since we had lost <laughs> lost touch so I mean well and I'm just like I'm the same person I was I like make up songs I'm silly <laughs> I'm goofy like I'm just I'm just myself I think if you came and hang out hung out with my kids we just have fun we just laugh do you make your caramel popcorn you know, oh I, <laughs> I actually haven't made that in a really long time I need to yeah That's your really caramel popcorn right is so great <laughs> It was really good. (laughs) So I usually ask this question to people that are like a little bit older than you. (laughs) People that are great, great grandparents or grandparents. Um, But since you were just talking about your kids, what's your advice to your kids? You know, like you talked about how you want them to know that you love them and that God loves them. But but what else do you want them to know? Oh, man, this is tough. I, I know I like, totally put you on I the mean, spot, but you were talking about it. I, and I feel was like, like there's a lot of things I want my kids to know, obviously, that I hope they will learn. So I was helping in my second grade son's class, so I guess two months ago, and I read a book. I read this book called You Are Special, and then I gave the kids these like a piece of paper and their assignment was to write five things that they loved about themselves. Okay. So these are like seven and eight year olds. So I gave them this paper and I told them once they filled it out, they could come to me and get a treat. So I gave it to them, not knowing, like not really thinking they'd bring their papers back to me, but they're like eager little seven year olds. So they all filled it out and then they were like so excited. And one by one, they like kept coming up to me and handing me their papers and they wanted me to read the five things that they'd come up with that they loved about themselves. Right. Okay. So I gave them the assignment and they were super excited and they went and filled it out and brought it back up to me. And so one by one, they were like coming up to me, wanting me to read through the five things that they'd said they'd love about themselves. So it was like, mind-blowing and mind-altering for me the experience that I had because so it starts coming up to me and immediately I start seeing this pattern okay and so these seven-year-old boys they come to me and they're handing me their papers and I'm reading through and they are coming up with like awesome things that they love about themselves it's like they're coming up with um like character traits or skills. So some of them were like, I'm really good at soccer. I'm a fast runner. I'm good at listening. I'm good at sharing. You know, like awesome things that you're like, yeah, reading that, you would want your kid to be able to come up with, you know, things that they loved about themselves that way. So then, um, but I'm telling you, every single girl, my heart just sank because these are seven-year-old girls. And not one girl in the class had anything different. They were all physical. So they were like, I love my eye color. I love my skin color. I love the color of my hair. I love my smile. Um, I love that I'm skinny, (laughs) Um, that I'm small, that, you know, every single thing was physical. And it just, like, really affected me. I left that classroom, and I, like, was gutted. I just felt like someone had kicked me in the stomach, and I was sick about it. I was like, why out of all these kids, like, they are seven years old, right? Like, why are the boys 
how come they can see so much more about themselves than just what they look like? But the girls, that's all they saw is what they looked like already at seven years old. And like, as they were handing me their papers, I just like wanted to cry. I just sat there. I'm like, I just wanted to hug every single one of those girls and be like, you are so much more than what you look like. Like you are so much more than, than how big or small you are or what color your eyes are. Or Those things are so superficial and they are so irrelevant when it comes to like who you really are. And so the more I thought about it though, I was like, why is it? I was so bugged. I'm like, why are all these boys seeing so clearly and all these girls aren't? And like my first thought was of course like, Oh, social media. (laughs) But I'm like, these girls are seven. They don't have Instagram. They're not like, you know, they're not reading 17 magazine. They're not watching reality TV shows. And and then the thing that it hit me, I'm like, yeah, but they have parents. Like, this is the behavior that they're learning at home, right? Is like, what what do their parents talk about? What are their moms talking about? And I'm sure if the moms of those girls in that classroom could have seen what I saw that day, they would be mortified. Like, I, no one, no one wants their seven-year-old girl to be concerned about being skinny, right? But I think, like they've probably heard that at home and that's what their, that's what their mom talks about or maybe their big sister or whatever. But it just made me realize like as a parent and just as a person in this society, like children are listening to what we say and what we don't say. And they're listening to how we talk about other people and they're listening to how we talk about ourselves. And I, you know, I was telling you before I had an experience with my son when he was three, he came to me and asked me one day if he looked skinny in a pair of pants he put on. And it was like this huge wake up call for me. Like, Oh my gosh, he totally heard me say that to my husband when I was getting ready. And that is not the influence that I want to have on him. Like, I don't, I don't want any of my kids worrying about that or thinking about that or, you know, having that be a thing. And anyway, it was just, it just made me think, especially when it comes to girls, like, what am I doing with my daughters? How am I talking about myself? Am I, am I showing myself love and compassion and grace when it comes to my body, when it comes to how I look? Um, I, I just, I honestly want like weight and image and look to be just like a non-issue in my house. I just don't, I just want it to be such a small part of who my daughters see themselves as that it's like a non-issue. And I think as parents and like people in society, we have to be really vigilant if we want that, you know? Well, and the thing that kind of hit me, I was like, this is like such a distraction, right? Like I, I really feel like this is exactly what Satan would have little girls thinking about and women thinking about women wasting away their lives worrying about calories they're eating or how they look in a certain dress or whatever like I just feel like it's such a distraction that's taking away from real power like we could as women I am like such a feminist and I believe that women and men are completely equal 
But I think a lot of times women, we like put ourselves down. Like we, we act ridiculous because we care about things that don't really matter. And we could be so much more effective solving big world problems, like making a difference. And sometimes we just get stuck in our own stuff. And I'm totally guilty of this, my own self too. But I just think it's, it's really a tool of distraction to keep us from achieving and accomplishing things that can really make a difference, you know, which is totally what Satan would have you do, right? It's like, oh, perfect. If I can find like a way to get really amazing women who can make a difference and who can, you know, empower people and create so much goodness in this world, if I can get them to be, to run in circles, like about things that don't matter, like perfect. (laughs) Like it really is the best plan if you're trying to shut women up and to keep them down and from being empowered that's the most obvious answer to me is, oh yeah, that's perfect. Let's get them to just focus on their bodies and their selves so much that they don't have any time or energy to like do all these other things that they're totally capable of doing. Do you want to know, this is just going off on a tangent, but like one thing that like is that I get all the time, you know, like how people are like, oh, you know, like, well, I don't know if I did anything to be on this podcast. And I'm like, it, mm-hmm. Like, I don't care how many Instagram followers people have. I don't care what you've done, but it's about people's character. And just hearing you talk as a mom, like, and the, the things that you want for your kids, that's what I'm like. Yeah, you're totally oh, a notable peep. You know what that. I mean? Like, but like, I but I, I think that like we judge our like character and our accomplishes, accomplishments by like goals or all these things. But like, what makes someone remarkable and I think one of the greatest things is being a mom, you know, like being a parent, yeah. you know, like. What does accomplishment mean, right? Like even with this coronavirus, I feel like my, I mean, everyone's world has like kind of turned upside down. And I just keep praying and keep thinking like, okay, I want to learn what I'm supposed to learn from this. And I want to. I mean, of course I want the world to go back to normal in a lot of ways, but I don't want to go back to normal. Like I want to emerge from this having like a clearer direction of what I want for my life and how I want to spend my time and being really intentional. And one of the things that has just sort of hit me, you know, when you talk about accomplishments, it's like, yeah, I could probably list off a bunch of cool things I've done or like, cool places I've been or experiences I've had. But like at the end of the day, I feel like the accomplishment that I am most proud of that, you know, is like relationships. It's my marriage. It's my, the relationship I have with each of my children. It's friendships. It's, you know, the relationship I have with my grandparents, my parents. Like I just, I don't know. It kind of struck me that like, we use this word accomplishment, like, you know, you've got to go and do things and check things off a list and be awarded for different things. But like at the end of the day, none of that really matters. You know, like at the end of the day, I think most of us just want to be understood and we want to have relationships that matter. And I don't know. I, that's just really struck me through all of this coronavirus stuff is like so much of, what we do really doesn't matter. And so much of 
where I put my time doesn't matter. Like we were planning these summer vacations and I was, you know, so like, just, I don't know, excited about these trips and I'm not, I love traveling. So I'm not saying I'm not going to get back to that when things are different, but it just made me realize like how much of my time am I spending on things that really aren't going to give me like the eternal benefits and the rewards that I really want. I don't know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think that like Corona, like and slowing down, I mean, it's definitely given everyone the time to think a lot and like Mm -hmm. sort of because, you know, sometimes you get so busy that you aren't like really thinking about your problems. like working through you're just avoiding them it's just like the daily grind yeah Yeah. and so corona is like like, really been like sort of that therapy that you're like forced to be like okay like I have to deal with some of these issues you know right and for me it's been like I mean even today I'll tell you this example and this like broke my heart but I'm being really honest with you I um I Anyway, homeschooling has been super hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it has been a roller coaster. But um, yesterday, it just went horribly. I mean, it went so bad. And so, I um, I don't know. I think prayer is a huge thing for me, too, just in, like, navigating life. But anyway, I went, and I had this prayer wall thing. I watched this movie a while back, and um, it's this Christian movie. It's called The War Room. Mm-hmm. And... Anyway, it is so good. You'll have to watch it. But it's about this um, woman, and she has prayer lessons. And she teaches this lady how to pray. And she's like, everyone should have a war room in their house where they can go be by themselves and where they can strategize. And, like, in politics, they have, you know, what they call a war room where they go and they strategize about how to, you know, beat their opponent. And she talks about how... Like, in our lives, we should all have a war room because God is the greatest defense attorney in helping us, you know, figure out how to beat Satan and, like, get what we want in life and all that stuff. So, anyway, she talked about having a war room. And I don't have a room where I'm, like, you know, only by myself or whatever, but I have this, like, trifold poster board <laughs> that I have. <laughs> and I open it up and I have probably like a hundred post-its on it. And I have like people wait, wait, to pray wait. for. I have, like the trifold and... posters for like the science fair? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so my neighbor actually gave it to me after I was telling her I wanted a war room in my house and she dropped it off. I'm like, this is perfect. And so I have like people to pray for a section and I have um questions I need help with and I have desires of my heart and then I have an answered prayer section anyway so yesterday all this to say I've had a really hard day and I was like oh my gosh this is not working and so I went into my office and I pulled out the tribe the science fair board and I always <laughs> get a pillow and I kneel on the pillow and I have my board around me and Mike kind of makes fun of me. It's like, but it's like my place. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I just feel like if I can go there and like meditate and pray, like that's where my best revelation comes. So yesterday I did that and I was like, I got to figure this homeschooling stuff out. Like, what am I doing wrong? How can I make this better? And I just had the thought that I needed to um, be intentional about spending time with each of my kids by themselves. And they're all, I mean, they're two years apart. 
they're all it's busy. It's really busy at my house. And um, so anyway, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So today I took them each individually and spent an hour with them, like doing their stuff, do it. Like I cannot even tell you how much better it went. Right. So there's a plug for like personal revelation and asking questions. I've just learned, especially like as a mom and that if I'm asking the right questions, I always get the answers, but I have to ask the questions. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I sat down with my three-year-old today and we've been reading books for a while. And to be honest, like our life is so busy. Most of the time, like I don't even remember the last time I sat down with him and just read dinosaur books for 45 minutes. Like mm-hmm. I'm, that's embarrassing to say, but like, I don't know. So we're sitting there and I, I asked him the page on the book was like, what color would you be if you were a dinosaur? And so I asked him and he's like, I'd be red. And He's like, red's my favorite color. And I was like, oh, Sam, I didn't know that. Red's your favorite color? You've never told me that. And he looked at me and he's like, huh. He's like, mom, you're too busy. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, dagger in my heart, right? And I was like, wait, what? And he's like, you've been too busy for me to tell you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. It just, anyway, it was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, lesson learned. And, and this is after being quarantined for a month. Like we've been home for one month. We haven't had activities. We haven't been running around, you know, we've pretty much been home and it kind of just reiterated this idea to me that like, I can busy myself wherever I am. Like even in my house on quarantine, I can still not be present if I don't, you know, intentionally try to be. And anyway, that was a a really good reminder and a humbling reminder. Like, Oh wow. Like I'm too busy. My three-year-old, I didn't even know his favorite color because he thought I was too busy for me to tell him or for him to tell me. And again, like another coronavirus lesson, right. Is like, okay, I need to be more present. Like, and, and I think I'm doing all these great things for him. Like half the time when I'm busy I'm you know helping him clean his room or I'm folding his laundry or I'm making him lunch or you know we're going on an adventure but but it kind of made me realize too like the way you serve people maybe isn't what they need either like instead of being like oh how can I serve Sam how would I want to be served well I'm going to fold his laundry I'm going to do this instead of just being like maybe Sam wants to just sit down and chat and have me ask him about his favorite color. You know, it just is so simple, but it kind of struck me as like, okay, I need to take some more steps back even, even in the coronavirus craziness and just simplify, you know? Yeah, no, that's a great example. Um, and I think that's cool. Like the, the war room and, and how personal revelation and asking questions can help you as a mom, you know, like that little moment, like, yeah. And not even as a mom, right? Like just as a person. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, it's been like this huge game changer in my life. And I think for me, I'm a really visual person. And so to have somewhere where like (laughs) everything's like written down, like all the things I'm, you know, praying for or the questions I feel like I have, it's, it's kind of like, I don't even know how to explain this. It's almost like this 
I can like turn it all over to God. Like Mm -hmm. it's all in one spot, you know, it's written down and he knows about it. And then I can like not stress about it as much. Like it's, I don't know. It almost just like kind of keeps track of it all for me. And it lets me trust more and just sort of let go, which has been, I mean, it's been huge. It's been a huge thing for me just over the past few months. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I love that. Like, I, I don't remember where we started off with this, but I love the tangent. I, know. I feel like I'm going on tangent. No, the, I feel like that was a very good, as you're talking, I'm like, I love all of this. And I love that story that you shared. <laughs> oh, the way that it started was asking you about your advice to your children. Oh, my advice. Okay. Okay. I were, I guess if I were to give my kids advice, I mean, obviously I just, I think I just want them to know that they can do anything and that, you know, they are divine and they're children of God and that anything that they set their mind to do, they can do and they can work and achieve and that God will help them, you know, achieve the impossible. Like you said, like, I truly believe that we are limitless if, we let God be part of our lives. And I think I would want them to know and understand that life is always going to be better when you are following Jesus Christ and his commandments, like always. And I always end up coming back to that. And the other thing I guess is my grandma used to always say this and it's kind of become my mantra for life as well is if you miss the joy you miss it all oh yeah and do you remember yeah Yeah. I just love that I love this idea that like there is joy and goodness and abundance everywhere we look but we can miss it if we don't look for it and if we're not finding the joy we're really missing out on, you know, a beautiful life that God would have us live. And that doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't going to be trials and hard times and um, difficulties, but I just feel like if you choose to find the joy in life, your life is going to be so much better and so much happier than if you dwell on the negative. I just feel, I don't know if you know this, but I think that you like so eloquently put stuff into words. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh you're so nice I just keep thinking I'm like rambling I'm like just gonna have to cut like half of this no <laughs> no I'm like all the stuff that you're saying I'm like I can flip and make like little quotes out of all, all of them so. <laughs> oh my gosh you're so nice <laughs> oh I feel like this has been fun yeah I'm like oh man I'm probably gonna wake up tomorrow and be like Oh, I just thought of the perfect answer for that question. <laughs> but I'm not but, looking oh, well, for perfection. Like... <laughs> I'm looking for real. I know. You're I'm not for looking real. for polish. This is not like, yeah, this is the genuine yeah. real. So. Um, no, I get it. And I think, you know what? I think being real, that would be another advice I would give my kids. Like, life is going to be so much better. If you are real and people will like you more and you'll have more friends. Like if you just accept the fact that you're not going to be perfect at everything. And, um, I just think there's power and vulnerability and like, I don't know. I just think it brings people together and in really awesome ways. No, it's true. 
It's true. Well, and like just hearing you talk about like that story with your son, you know, like that is vulnerable for him yeah. to say like, mom, like you're too busy, you know, but I think like, I I just think that so many people can relate, you know, what like whether you're yeah. mom or not, just how often are we too busy for the relationships in our life? Right. And it just kind of, I don't know, the thing that sort of hit me about that was, um, I don't know, the more that I think about it is this idea that like, oh my gosh, I, I've been missing it. <laughs> like, how often am I going through life like missing it? Because I'm too busy doing the laundry or I'm, you know, on my phone or whatever, like how much of it are we missing? Mm -hmm. And it just makes me want to slow down and be intentional so that I don't miss any of those moments that are like those aha moments, you know, Mm -hmm. that are really easy to miss if you're not taking time to find them. You know what? I have a better advice for my kids. If I can, I'll just tell you this and then you can do whatever. But I think the advice I would give to my kids is that you will make plans in your life, but your life isn't always going to turn out the way that you hope or the way that you think. But God always has the very best plans for your life. And I've seen that. I think that's one of my biggest takeaways is I just, God has been so good to me and there are so many things about my life that have not turned out the way I thought it would, but it's been better. And I just feel like, um, God gives us experiences. He puts people in our path. He leads us and he guides us and he always gives us exactly what we need. And usually it's not what we think we need, but in hindsight, it always is. And it's always the best way. And so I guess, like the advice I would give my kids is just to learn to trust God and that he's got your back and that he has a plan for you and for your life. If you trust him and follow him and if you're not afraid to, you know, have faith and put one step in front of the other and, and go where he asks you to go and you'll see the beauty of your life unfold and it's going to be better than anything you would have ever imagined. And I really feel that way. I just feel like God has been instrumental in so many of my decisions and so many of the experiences that I've had that um, I just could have never come up with it on my own. And I'm so glad that I didn't. I'm so glad that it hasn't turned out exactly like I thought it would or or like I thought I wanted it to because it's, it's turned out better and there's been, you know, messy parts and, but, but overall it's much better. Well, and I just look at that. I mean, if I would have gone on my mission when I turned 21 instead of 23, like you would have never been my companion and my trainer. And and you were like, (laughs) you had left later too, you know, like, and it really is. I just look at like the different people in our lives and the different situations. And I'm so grateful because God's plan is always a lot better than the plan that I have for myself. And sometimes it's like, I'm a little stubborn, so I have to wait for a little bit and like, actually admit that his plan's better but yeah exactly but it always is like it always it always works out right like Mm -hmm. it's just I don't know and I look at like all the people in my life that have been so important to me and like you like so many dear people and it's like 
I just think God puts people in your path when he does for a reason. And it's a, it's a really remarkable thing. So I've loved having you um, on this episode for my 50th podcast episode of Notable Peeps. Like, what a great way to celebrate because, they, like, you really have impacted my life more than you'll ever know. Just, just by oh being God. who you are, you're you're remarkable, Hymas. That is so sweet of you, and I feel exactly the same way about you. So, thanks for having me on. It was great to just sort of have some time to to chat and reconnect and kind of think about some of these questions you've asked me. I really enjoyed thinking about that. And we'll have to do it more. Yes. Now we live in the same state. So we have no excuse after coronavirus is over. We are going to lunch. Yes, for sure. Well, thanks guys for listening. And remember to put on your shoes, do your best, and believe that with God, all things are possible. Thanks so much for pushing play and listening to this episode. For more information about today's guests or to submit a nomination for a remarkable person that you would like to hear interviewed, head on over to NotablePeeps.com. All my dreams are coming. All my dreams are humming. All my dreams are coming true if you're loving listening to other people's stories here on this podcast then maybe it's time to start recording your own head on over to remnisaudio.com and take the hard work out of preserving your memories